Get your fill of baseball news and beer reviews at foulballarea.com. Follow our blog for the latest news around the baseball world and read about some of our favorite ballpark beers. Tune into the podcast every Wednesday as we take a deep dive into the topics of the day. Stay connected by signing up for our mailing list or following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Foulball Area. Now, here's today's episode of the Foulball Area Podcast with Matthew Atkins and Trey Live. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the Foulball Area Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Atkins, alongside my co-host, Trey Lyle. Back at it again this week with another edition of the off-season podcast as we break down everything that's going on uh, in the baseball off-season. We get ready for the 2024 season coming up not too far away. Pitchers and catchers are going to start reporting here in just a couple of weeks Spring training game is going to start not too long after that. And before you know it, we'll be at opening day. It seemed like it was so far away at one point, but it is slowly creeping up upon us. It's going to be here uh, before too long, and I'm excited for it. But we still got a lot to get through before we get to opening day. A lot of stuff going on around the baseball world. We got Hall of Fame votes tallied up. We got an uh, early look at next year's Hall of Fame ballot. We got more offseason uh, moves, free agent moves and trades happening across Major League Baseball. We got a lot of stuff to go over before we even get to spring training, Trey. There's a lot of stuff going on still. Yeah, I mean, baseball has the longest drown out, uh, drawn out, not drown out, not drowning people here, but drawn out, like, free agency process. You know, in the NBA, the NFL, like, they're all the deals are done within, you know, uh, within weeks. So it's kind, yeah. of, uh, kind of funny. Yeah, a a very long, slow off season for baseball. Usually, uh, we've seen some some most of the big moves already. There's a, a couple of players out on the free agent market still yet to find a home for 2024, but I'm sure they'll get something done uh, before too long. Hopefully, before pitchers and catchers start reporting to spring training. Uh, but before we get into what's going on, uh, the latest hot stove moves, the 2024 Hall of Fame class was announced this past week, and it's uh it's a pretty Pretty stacked class. I think that everyone that got in deserves to be in 100%. I think there might be some guys on the ballot uh, left off that deserve to get in, and maybe they'll make it next year or in a couple of years. But, uh, you know, a little bit of controversy, as there always is with the Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, The 2024 class is Adrian Beltre, Todd Helton, and Joe Maurer. Maurer and Beltre are first ballot inductees Todd Helton had been on the ballot for a couple of years and finally gets in to the Hall of Fame. Also, Jim Leland is getting into the Hall of Fame on a, a, a different process. I know they have all kinds of different names for that with the like the Veterans Committee and the, the Modern Game Committee. Uh, Jim Leland is going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2024 as well. Of course, the former manager uh, had some really good years with the Tigers, and I think he managed a couple other places before that, but I remember him with the Tigers when they had their uh, their World Series run back in 2014. Or is that 2012? 2012. Uh, but yeah, so that's the Baseball Hall of Fame class this year. Any surprises for you or anyone that you think should have gotten in but was left off or got in but shouldn't have? Well, no, I think they all deserve to get in. Um, so it's just, to me, uh, I and I came to this conclusion, like I've kind of, I am now going to become lackluster to the Hall of Fame. Because I just think the process is dumb. Um, there are too many great players in this league that are not that are deserving to be in the Hall of Fame, and I think the voting, its process is very flawed. And I know we disagree on the Rose Bond stuff, but like, you know, I think A Rod deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, and 
he's not even like a part of the conversation. And it's like, well, like as is one of the twenty five greatest baseball players we've ever seen. And so, you know, he belongs in that kind of conversation. So I, I just kind of give it up on, I don't want to say caring about the Hall of Fame, but like, I don't have much faith in it, I think is a way to put it. And it kind of stuck. And uh, like, we're about to go to the next class. Like, I'm only confident in like one person getting in and it's, and that's it. And that kind of sucks because the NFL Hall of Fame, they, they make sure you have, you know, and I'm not saying baseball should have like seven a year, but they could have. But like, if you're gonna have some years have three, and then some years have none, like, yeah, that's not good, you know. So yeah, it is. Joe Mauer little... deserves it. Like I, uh, Adrian Beltre deserves it. Like, I think they're both Hall of Famers. Like, but like, go look at you know, and someone brought this up. Like, go look at Jorge Posada's numbers compared to Joe Mauer. And Jorge Posada has four World Series championships, and he was off the ballot in his first attempt. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh you know it's always controversial when you get to get around to Hall of Fame voting. Um like fourteen percent? Something like that. Yeah. The years when you have no one get in, that is honestly embarrassing because like there's gotta be someone deserving. But I also am a little bit towards the uh the they call it the small hall mindset. You know, I think it's the Hall of Fame. It should be the best of the best players. And that means that there are going to be some guys that get left off. And that doesn't mean that they didn't have great careers, but are they the best of the best to ever play the game? So, I, you know, I I lean towards having really strict requirements for guys getting into the Hall of Fame. Now, I do think that Maurer, Beltre, and Helton absolutely deserve to make it into the Hall of Fame. I loved Joe Maurer growing up. I, you know, when I played little league baseball, I was always a catcher. So he was a guy that I really looked up to. He was a guy that I really liked watching and he had a fantastic career. And I think he was a three time, uh, three time batting champion, which you almost never see that for a catcher. He's one of four catchers to win a batting title. And he's the only catcher to win it three times. He's also one of 12 catchers to win an MVP award in all of major league baseball. So he he absolutely deserved it. He had a great career in Minnesota. Adrian Beltre, I remember watching him with the Rangers. He also had some good years with the Dodgers earlier in his career as well. Uh, he was a really good player and you know a solid, consistent guy that you always knew you could count on. And then Todd Helton, obviously, the thing that held him back, I think, was playing at Coors Field. Uh, that you know that that's always going to be an argument anytime a Rockies player comes up for consideration in the Hall of Fame or even you know in modern like current present day awards anytime a Rockies player has a really good season and it comes up MVP time they get that held against them because they play half their games at Coors Field uh so it's good to see Todd Helton finally make it into the Hall of Fame of course Larry Walker got into the Hall of Fame a couple years ago so that that mindset of holding that Coors Field against guys is starting to go away a little bit uh I but yeah I I do think everyone that got in this year absolutely deserved it uh by the way I'm showing my youth a little bit when I was talking about Jim Leland a few minutes ago he of course, he managed for the Tigers when they had a really good run in the early 2010s, but he also won a World Series with the Marlins. That was in 1997, so I was just born that year, so don't yeah, want that we against were, me. We were, we were babies. Yeah, so. um, but a great career from Jim Leland as manager, and he's also going to the Hall of Fame this year. So everyone deserves it. Uh, the guys that got left off the off the uh, the ballot this year, 
I think Billy Wagner absolutely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. When you look at closers, you know, if you if you look at everyone by position and you look at closers, he's among the best closers of all time. He had a fantastic career and the amount of saves that he put up alone, like he, he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. And uh, yeah, I might be a little biased, too, because he's a Virginia guy. He's from Virginia. He played, uh, I think, his last season with the Braves. So I'm a little biased, but he had a fantastic career. And if you look at some of the greatest closers of all time, his numbers are up there. So I think Billy Wagner deserves to get in. And he actually got really close. I think he was at like 73.8% or something. You need 75. So he's got one more year on the ballot. I think that it's a, a pretty good chance that he could end up getting into the Hall of Fame next year. Uh, yeah, 73.8%. Our good friend Brady Hess actually wrote an article about him coming up just short of the uh, Hall of Fame vote. So he'll be on the ballot for his 10th and final time next year, could get in. The way things are trending, it looks like he will. Uh, Andrew Jones is another guy that a lot of people thought would get in. Again, I might be a little biased as a Braves fan, but he had a really good career as well. I don't know that I would 100% put him in because, again, I do like to have some really strict requirements make it the best of the best uh so i don't know that i would put andrew jones in that category but he's a guy that a lot of people were hoping would make it in this year and was ended up ended up left off the ballot so uh i mean yeah, he's one it, of the most talented baseball players ever i mean yeah he was so you know i i'm like i would lean towards putting him in but i don't know it's he he's still got more time on the ballot, so it's not over for him. You could absolutely make it in in the coming years. Yeah. It's just it's always a a tough, controversial uh situation when we come to this time of year because there's there's always going to be uh players that a lot of people think should make it and they end up getting left off. Um, and it really is an interesting an interesting way that baseball does the Hall of Fame having the writers decide who gets in and a, a lot of people have brought this up the criticism of the way they do it because you know the writers they interact with these players throughout their careers so you know they could hold a personal grudge against someone for whatever reason and <laughs> Rod. oh sorry i just did i did i say that did i say that out loud? <laughs> but I'm that's true i mean that's, require... that's the way it goes he did. Bonds never did. And I mean, I'm not here. I'm not sitting here denying that Barry Bonds wasn't on steroids. Um, but it's just they use that as an excuse, you know. Like I would rather respect the writer and be like, I didn't like the guy, so I didn't pick him. Which that's never going to happen because they'll take the ballot away. Yeah. Which also bringing back another point: these writers dropping their ballots. Remember when Dan Levitard dropped his ballot to Deadspin and they got him kicked off and now everyone can drop their ballots? Like, how ironic is that? <laughs> I mean, I think it should. I think it should be public, 100%. Yeah. I think you need a mix. I think – I'm trying to think. I know – I think the NBA and the NFL, you know, it's like a mix of writers and well, – at least the NFL, they like – they all sit in one room, like – it's like the Heisman, like that you submit a ballot. Like you don't, you know, I think a Hall of Fame, like the proper way to do it is like have them all go to one room and discuss it and have a conversation. And then you form ideas instead of, because you kind of can hide in just like putting a ballot out there, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I think the that... other Hall of Fames, like the NASCAR Hall of Fame, for example, you know, because that's the other sport, you know, a sport I cover directly. And not saying I have a Hall of Fame vote for it, that'd be irresponsible by them. <laughs> but um, they they're in a room, like it's a room, and it's a mix of like they have the current champion, they have its former drivers, former crew, like owner, like dignitaries. And writers like you need a mix. Like I think players like you need to have former players. You need to have former executives, former you know whoever. Because, and I'm not like we're both you know, both journalism majors, and you know we're kind of going at the you know, our industry. But it's just not. You're not going to get the best sample, I guess, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. I think it would be better if there was a mix of media members and players, coaches, executives, you know, people, everyone, people from all aspects of the game, get them involved. Most of these things, that's how it is. Like, yeah, you know, I, I'm not here to say the Heisman Trophy is on the same level as the Baseball Hall of Fame, but the Heisman has a ton of voters, but like they do also have former players. Like if you win the Heisman Trophy, you get a Heisman vote. And I'm not like, it just needs... It just needs to be a lot better. And that's why I'm going to sit here and say, like, I'm not going to take it 100% seriously. Yeah. Like, it's weird to say, and I don't think it's going to happen, and we're about to get to the candidates next year, but, like, are we, you know, what if some writers were, like, Ichiro only did this in baseball, but, like, ignores his stuff in Japan and don't vote him first ballot? Like, do you don't understand how dumb that is? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and it, it could happen. Um, you already just referenced it a little bit, so let's get into it. The 2025 uh, Baseball Hall of Fame ballot. And this is not official yet, um, but... I see three locks if they're if they're on the ballot. In my at, opinion, all three should be first ballot Hall of Famers. Looking at uh, just first-time candidates, yeah, you got a lot of notable clear. names. You got Ichiro, who you mentioned, CeCe Sabathia, Dustin Pedroia, Ian Kinsler, Felix Hernandez, Troy Tulowitzki, Ben Zobris, Cur- Curtis Granderson, Hanley Ramirez, Adam Jones, Brian McCann, Melky Cabrera, Ian Desmond. A lot of a uh, lot of notable names on this list just from the first time uh, candidates. And then you got everyone who's left over from the previous year. So Billy Wagner will be on his 10th ballot. Manny Ramirez on his ninth ballot. You got Alex Rodriguez on his fourth ballot. I I know he's not going to get it, but he's still on Throw throw another one who should be in the hall of fame. So it's not because he, whatever. Looking at, Oh, by the way, David Wright this year only got 6.2% of the vote. Okay. I would think he's all best baseman of a of a generation of baseball gets six point six percent. Anyway, looking at first timers on next year's ballot, who you said I think you said three that you think are locks. Who are they? Yeah, you. Oh, I wanted you to guess. One oh, is okay. one is Ichiro. We already Ichiro. said it. Sabathia. Yeah. Felix Hernandez. Yeah. Oh, that's that's my three. Also, I thought like those three have to be in. Yeah. I mean, you put maybe the best hitter baseball has ever seen in Ichiro, yeah. and 
two of the what four of the generation. Yeah. I mean, there was no big better big game pitcher than CC, and and I know I'm a Yankees fan saying that, but like the way he was able to like he was a power pitcher, and then as he got older, lost his power, and still became an elite pitcher by changing his game. Yeah. So CC, and then feel. I mean, Felix Hernandez is one of the most dominant pitchers we've ever seen in the history of the sport. Yeah, he's got to get in. So I, I think it's those three. I mean, if you and and going back, like I think if you just took Ichiro's MLB career, I mean, he was he won Rookie of the Year in MVP. Like that's how good he was. His first year, he was the Rookie of the Year in MVP. Right? Yeah. 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 Okay. That's it. Like. I think it's those three. Uh, Pedroia might eventually get in. Um, if you want to argue, like Ben Zobris was the best player on the team on the on the Cubs that won the World Series and ended the biggest drought in the history of baseball. Like maybe over time, like Zobris was so clutch, you know, for those Royals teams that won it all and the Cubs team that won it all. But I, I think Pedroia might get it. I, Brian McCann might get it as well. And maybe Curtis Granderson, but yeah. that, I think it's and I'm not those I don't think will be first ballot. No. But I think I think the Hall of Fame class will have four or five next year, and three of those are Felix Hernandez, CC's Matthew, and Ichiro. I agree with you there. I think all three of those guys have to get on, on their first ballot. One guy that's gonna be a first time candidate next year that is really like I you know could have been a really great career. Troy Tulowitzki. I mean, the way he started his career with the Rockies, he was so good in his early years. And then he just kind of fell off a little bit towards the end. And, you know, once he left Colorado, he went to Toronto and then spent one year with the Yankees. He just kind of fell off there and wasn't really doing a whole lot. But man, if he had kept up his pace from his first couple of seasons, I think he would have been a lock for the hall of fame, but it's, uh, it's unfortunate the way his career ended. Um, but he will be on the first – he'll be on his first ballot next year. I don't think he'll end up getting in. I don't think he'll get in at all. He he had a good career, but not good enough to uh, to make it into the Hall of Fame. Uh, I agree with you. So that's our way too early look at the 2025 Baseball Hall of Fame ballot. Uh, we each agree on three picks that should get in on their first ballot, and then obviously there's a couple guys still on the ballot from previous years that – could end up making it in next year. Hopefully Billy Wagner will finally get over the 75% threshold next year, his final chance to make it into Cooperstown. Other news going on around Major League Baseball uh, this week. Anthony Rendon, the third baseman for the Los Angeles Angels, thinks that the baseball season needs to be shorter. He uh, was doing an interview this week, and he said that we got to shorten the season. There's too many dang games, 162 games and 185 days. We got to shorten this bad boy up. Um, He's not completely out of line here. You know, a lot of people share this sentiment. A lot of people think. I don't, the think, he, I don't think he's wrong. Yeah, I, I personally don't want to shorten the season because I always want more baseball. But for a player's health standpoint, 
yeah, I can see how they would want a little bit of a shorter season. You can cut 15 games, like get around the 170 mark or, you know, somewhere in there between like 160 and 170. Still can't get the perfect kind of referendum on the year. And then you have more, it's more spaced out, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's possible. Um, I'm not completely against it. I just, you know. I always want more baseball, so I don't want to get rid of any games. But from from a player's standpoint, I can totally see how they would want a few fewer games. I wonder what they thought of the COVID season in terms of the games, but like the restrictions, it like was probably like good and bad. Well, so that's the thing. Anthony Rendon, you know, the COVID season was sixty games. Anthony Rendon has not played more than sixty games since joining the Angels in twenty twenty. So it. Like, yeah, you know, you can make an argument the season needs to be shortened, but when he's only playing 60 games a season, he's not really the the right guy to make that argument because he's already not playing that many games. It, it just looks a little... When he comes out and he says he wants a shorter season, when he's not playing more than 60 games, it just doesn't look that good. And I get it. You know, maybe, you know, he, he's dealing with injuries. He can't always help that. But he just hasn't had the best attitude. I remember last year reports coming out where, you know, guys would ask him if he was going to play. Guys would ask him if he was healthy. He would just ignore them or he would just say he didn't feel like it. You know, like he 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 wasn't being transparent. There was no uh, no timetable for his return. Like, you just don't know what's going on with him. And the Angels paid him a lot of money, gave him a huge contract because he was a really good player with the Nationals, helped them win a World Series and was a really, really good player. And then he comes over to Los Angeles to to help out the Angels. And he's, you know, he's missing for two-thirds of the season every year. So I don't think he's the right guy to make this argument when he's not even on the field. Yeah, absolutely. That was why I said but earlier. Yeah, uh, it's it, – it, you need to be on the field for 100-plus games if you're going to say this. Like, come on, man. Let's – like, he, he might be right and – Maybe you reduce the games a little bit, but yeah, I don't think it's yeah, I, I don't think it's it's the uh, it's the right person speaking on the issue. Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, but 162 games, that's where we're at right now. So I could see it going down to like 152, maybe 145, something like that. I wouldn't want to get yeah. rid of too much more than that. You can keep the same time frame. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. You know, like during the summer, maybe it's like. You know, you're just playing on the weekend or something like there, there's I or like the an extended all star break or something like you need to create it. Yeah, there are definitely ways that they could uh, give players more days off, uh, not get rid of too many games. Let them have more rest and hopefully reduce injuries because everyone hates to see injuries. And we've dealt with a lot of them over the years. MVP candidates going out, leaving a season early with injuries. It's never a fun time. Breaking toes. Yeah, running into the wall, breaking their toes. You don't want to see that. All right, wrap things up on today's episode. We still got some free agent news going on around Major League Baseball as the offseason gets closer to coming to a close and we inch towards spring training and opening day. A couple of moves going on still. Uh, Reese Hoskins, a guy that we've paid attention to a little bit this offseason, he's signing a deal with the Brewers. Two years, $34 million with an opt-out after the 2024 season. Uh, let's go rapid fire, Trey. Your thoughts on Reese Hoskins going to the Brewers? I think for the Brewers, they needed some power in their lineup. Obviously, he's coming off the 20 CL. Obviously, there's no place 
once Bryce got moved to first in Philadelphia, um, two-year deal. I think this is a kind of a low-risk, high-reward kind of signing for them. I, I, I liked it. Yeah, I think it's a good move. Uh, he's a he's a really talented player, really good power hitter. Obviously, had to miss a lot of last season with injuries, so I think it's a good move for the Brewers. They had a good year last year, and this is only bolster their lineup. Uh, the Astros have signed closer Josh Hader to a five-year, ninety-five million dollar contract. Big contract for him, and it really bolsters the Houston bullpen. Yeah, yeah. Rich get richer. I think that's the best way to describe it. Um. You know, Hater. You know, with Presley, obviously, Hater might not even have to, uh, uh, you know, be their full time closer. But yeah, Bridge get Richard Houston. Like that's kind of how I thought about it. Uh, they might have an argument for the best bullpen in Major League Baseball, and a you know really big contract for a closer or or a relief pitcher. Five years, ninety five million dollars. Good for him. Big contract. Uh, Roldis Chapman finds his way to another team, signs a one year deal with the Pirates for ten and a half million. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> 10 million for a wash pitcher is is something he'll get traded to some contending team hey you know the pirates could they could be a dark horse this year i feel like they have a got a couple of young guys that could help them compete and they bring in world chapman coming off a world series win his second world series championship who knows? Maybe he uh, provides a little bit of veteran leadership in the clubhouse. Pirates, dark horse candidate for a playoff run this year. Uh, we'll see. Those are the big moves that have happened over the past couple of weeks. We didn't get to mention it because uh, it came out the Friday that we put out our last episode and then we weren't able to record last week. But since the last time we recorded, Marcus Stroman ended up with the Yankees signing a contract with New York. Uh, you being the resident Yankees fan on the podcast, I assume you're pretty excited about that move. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. You know, I, I sat and talked about, I, I was saying the praises of Marcus Stroman, so I have to like this signing. He's a big game pitcher. Um, You know, he doesn't have to be the ace on the team. He'll be either at the number two or number three, depending on the health of Carlos Redlon. Um, it's, it's a favorable contract. Um, You know, they, they might've had to spend a hundred million to get, Blake Snell and they you know so I like the deal and he's pitched in New York before and pitched well in New York before when he was with the Mets so I, I like the deal for Marcus Strum uh I'm uh I'm I'm excited about it if if Rodon is healthy and as good as he can be this year that's a pretty solid rotation for the Yankees with Garrett Cole Rodon and Marcus Stroman leading that rotation that's pretty solid uh, real quick before we wrap up, I've got a trivia question for you, Trey, and for all our listeners out there. Joe Mauer. wrong. Huh? Go ahead, Joe Mauer. What? Joe Mauer is the fourth number one pick to be elected to the Hall of Fame. Who are the three others? Two of them, I feel like, are pretty easy. One of them, I would not be able to guess. Um, Babe You know, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Um. Shoot. They're all uh, pretty recent. Two of them. Okay. Well, two of them are nineties to two thousands. Was uh, a no Chipper. Yep, Chipper Jones is one of them. Yeah, yeah I got one. Uh, so that was my goal. All right, give me give me a team. Um, I, I, it's going to give it away, but Mariners. Hey, it would be uh. uh What's his name? Oh, I got him blanking. 
<laughs> oh, Ken Griffey Jr. Yep. I was like blanking on the name. Uh, I'll give you the third one because I never would have guessed this. Harold Baines was the uh, another number one pick to be elected to the Hall of Fame. Only four throughout all of Major League Baseball history have made it to the Hall of Fame so far. Do you know how many draft picks there are in baseball? That makes sense. That kind of makes sense. Yeah, it does. Well, I think that's all we've got on today's episode, but we got college baseball coming up soon before too long. So we're going to have to start shifting our focus to that, talk a little bit college baseball. Hopefully uh, Virginia Tech has a better season this year. They obviously were not able to repeat the success of their 2022 season. So hopefully they can put things together this year and have a, a solid run and a deep postseason run. Of course, we'll be watching JMU and UVA and Liberty and all the teams around Virginia College baseball is always a fun time of year, so we'll be getting into that in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, so uh, if you want to hear more of that, make sure you subscribe to wherever you get your podcast. Leave that five-star review. Connect with us at Foul Ball Area, at Matkins News, at Trelaw BT. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Foul Ball Area Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Foul Ball Area Podcast. Make sure to leave a review and a rating wherever you get your podcasts, and subscribe so you get new episodes as soon as they come out. Thank you.